You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. But Love Festival is a day that was founded by our senior pastor. Our senior pastor is the pastor of the KM side, the Korean ministry side. And uh, it's, it's really just a, a simple invitation uh, to the people of our community, to the people in our workplaces, our school places, wherever, to come hear a message, a very particular message, a message that they would otherwise never hear throughout the week. Now, here's the thing. We all hear messages all the time, right? We do. Uh, if you turn on the TV, and the thing is, we don't really watch TV these days, but let's say you... You uh, go on the internet, you go on YouTube, and you type in Dr. Phil, right? Or you type in Oprah or Deepak Chopra, right? Or hundreds of other TV or kind of self-help personalities out there. I am willing to bet that every single one of them will have the same message with just kind of a minor variation or, or application. Essentially, these are the things that you would hear, and these are direct quotes. Oprah said, you don't become what you want, you become what you believe, Right? That's profound. Uh, Dr. Phil said, you're only lonely if you're not there for you. Right? Dr. Phil. He's awesome. He also said this, sometimes you just got to give yourself what you wish someone else would give you. Everyone say, wow. (laughs) Right? And then Deepak Chopra said, nothing is more important than reconnecting with your bliss. Nothing is as rich. Nothing is more real. Now, here's the thing. I'm not trying to be too facetious right now. And I can go on with many more of these quotes, but I'd seriously be wasting your time. But that's the message we hear these days. And that's the message we love. It's all about you. It's all about your happiness. It's all about what you can achieve. I mean, you've heard the testimonies. And I think, quite honestly, those are okay messages. These are good messages. I, I, all cards on the table, I actually believe Those are good messages. Those are good, positive messages to hear. Here it is, if you want to achieve something, right? If you want to achieve something in your life, if you want to become a successful entrepreneur, then yes, you better believe in yourself, and you better work hard. If you want to find a job that you're passionate about, that makes you happy, then yes, go reconnect with with your bliss. Find something that you enjoy. Definitely, go do that. But finding purpose Finding true contentment and finding eternal life has nothing to do with the positive, you can do it type of messages that we hear all the time. Because while happiness is achievable, and it is, try Netflix, right? It brings great, you get, you're happy. Give me a bucket of Hagen dazs and, and some Netflix, and I'm good to go. We can get happy, but true, unwavering joy cannot be received. Rather, it must be given by someone who is above all circumstances, right? So today, for some of you, or maybe a lot of you, this may be the first time hearing a message like this. Maybe for some others, you've grown up in the church, but you've lost or forgotten your first love. And maybe for the rest, then really simply, your role is to go lower and allow Christ to rise higher in your life. So this is the application here. So what's in today's message? Well, the passage we read answers a question that everyone 
has asked themselves at one point in their life or will ask themselves at one point in their lives. And that is simply this, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to me? And this question is important because how you answer this question will define your entire life. It will shape your ambitions. It will define your marriage. It will clarify your role in the church, your role in your family, and your role even in this community. And it will ultimately and most importantly determine your eternal security. So the story begins with a face-to-face encounter with Pilate and Jesus Now, Jesus, he had gone through several illegal trials, a series of Jewish trials, and now Jesus was in the first phase of the Roman trials. So Jesus there, he stood before the great Roman governor who had jurisdiction over Jerusalem. And so here, Pilate, he began his cross-examination of Jesus to determine, okay, who is this guy that I've been hearing so much about, and I want to determine for myself whether he's guilty or not. So he wants to make his own verdict. You see, Pilate, he has heard of Jesus. He's heard of him. He's the guy who did a lot of crazy, miraculous things around his town. He saw a lot of, he saw, he heard a lot of people talking about his teachings. So he knew that this Jesus of Nazareth was considered a big deal. So he was curious. And today, perhaps some of you folks here have also heard of Jesus. Maybe you've even said his name, albeit in an expletive form. But maybe right now, you've even watched the movie Passion of the Christ some time ago. You see, we see churches even all around our community with steeples, with crosses on it. Perhaps you've encountered people who profess to know and believe Jesus. So like Pilate, you know of Jesus. You've heard of Jesus. Maybe you even learned a little bit about Jesus, and you're here. And I'm thankful that you're here because some friendly face within our church invited you to our church. And we're grateful that you've come. But at this time, here it is. I want to challenge you all to lay down your presuppositions at the door, to drop your defense, and with an open heart. And here it is, even with a critical mind, because I want you to think about what you're hearing. I hope you'll take in what's being spoken here and judge for yourself. And I pray and I hope right now that by God's grace and his mercy that your verdict today will declare Jesus as more than just a historical figure, but that he is king that he is Savior, and that he is your God. That's my hope. Now, I got, I got a couple points to make. My first is this. Jesus matched what his message was, okay? Now, what I mean by that is this. <clears throat> Jesus, he said a lot of impressive things, like those quotes from Oprah and Dr. Phil. Those quotes, they pale in comparison to the wisdom of Jesus. Jesus said things like, no one could take his life, but that he would be willing to freely give it to his own. Jesus spoke about trusting his heavenly Father's will while being in complete compliance with his Father's plan. Jesus would always encourage and he would challenge his disciples and followers to pursue not after riches, not after fame, not after sex and power, but rather after meekness. After meekness. And he said, hey, I want to encourage you to endure suffering for my sake. And he says, and here's the thing. If you have an enemy, love him. The one who hates you and spits in your face, the one who rejects you, the one who hurls insults at you, yeah, that guy, love him. Love him, love him. And that evil that they do to you, return it with good. That was the message of Christ here. And so as we as followers, guess what? We try to live up to that standard, but we fall short. 
we fall short every time. But Jesus lived true to what he preached, which is why Jesus alone is worthy of worship. Now, if you're someone who's messed up a lot, listen to me. If you're someone who messed up a lot, someone who's broken, okay, you have a past. Someone who's been a hypocrite, if you've acted ever self-righteously where you've judged people, where you discriminated, someone who's act, maybe you've acted selfishly or impulsively, if you're any of those, stand up right now. Stand up. <laughs> Welcome to the church. Please stand. Please take a seat. <clears throat> and to our new friends who are visiting us for the first time and had no idea what to do at that moment, you will see why I as a pastor and why we as Christians, as a church, why we hate pretense. We're not going to pretend that we have all of life figured out or that tomorrow will be fine despite the tragedies and the hurdles that you're facing right now because the truth is the gospel of Jesus allows us to say that it's okay to not be okay. But that our faith does not rest in ourselves. It does not rest in our accomplishments like we've heard. It does not rest in our family values or in our own personal ambitions but rests in Christ alone. Why? Because the thing about Jesus, and you may or may not know this, is that he is in the business of healing. He is in the business, he is in the business of, you know, of helping, of restoring, of redeeming folks, just like you saw stand up around you. He healed me, and he restored me, and he redeemed me, despite my many failures and my constant, ongoing inadequacies. If you don't believe that, ask my wife. She'll write a book. <laughs> this is why we worship Jesus. Because he is above all that. Because Jesus alone is worthy of worship. He's not like you and me. Can we say thank God? So Jesus himself is now standing before the brutal Pilate. Jesus was bound. He was falsely charged by the Jewish leaders. And at this moment, he was at the mercy of this guy who was on a power trip. This guy who was a tyrant. This guy who was a pagan. This guy who wanted and really didn't care anything about who Jesus was. He was at the mercy of this governor. Now imagine being charged by someone who doesn't even know you. By someone who has, was known to be biased and unfavorable and ill-tempered. I mean, how would you re react if your entire life was in his hands? You know, it's interesting that hundreds of years before this trial even took place, there was a prophecy that was made. It was made by Isaiah. And it said that Christ died, suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. Isaiah continues to say, this guy, this Messiah, he committed no sin. There was no deceit found in his mouth. And even when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. How many of us would have been defensive? But no, not Jesus. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, it said he entrusted himself to him, that is God the Father, who judges. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my heroes failing me. Of my heroes. Aren't you? I mean, there's even a saying, never meet your heroes. Right? You've heard that? Why is that? Because you'll realize quickly how incredibly unheroic they are. They have tempers too, that flare. They have scandals. They're not as compassionate. They're greedy. The list goes on and on. The reason why the list goes on is because here's the kicker. They are no different from you and I. 
They're humans. The same reason why we're wary of letting people in, into our inner circle because we fear that they'll really know how messed up we really are. That's why I tell you, marriage is not for the faint of heart. It's not. You will, for the first time in your life, really allow someone into your life and they will see all the nastiness of you. Like everything, you know? They will see all the things that tick you off and they'll know exactly how to push those buttons. They'll see the inconsistencies of your speech and of your life. See, for you singles, those of you who are single, can you say woot woot? That means that guy or that girl that you see on Instagram who's always smiling and for some inexplicable reason taking pictures of everything she eats. They're not as perfect as they claim to be. Don't make Instagram your reality. You can quote me on that. <laughs> because they will fail you and you will fail them. But Jesus is different. Can I hear praise God? Way different. His faithfulness is unmatched. Even in the face of injustice and, and suffered indignity, even though he was intentionally humiliated, standing before, get this, the Son of God who did no wrong is unblemished, completely pure and innocent, only spoke truth and healed and fed people and nurtured and, and, and lifted up the marginalized. There he was, the Lamb of God, standing before a tribunal of rotten, manipulative, duplicitous, wicked men awaiting judgment. And yet Jesus was wrapped in all his majesty, of his holiness, and in the beauty of his dignity. You know, here's the thing. I, I don't worship Donald Trump as the savior of our nation because he is a man with many faults. And people are like, well, duh. Well, no, let me finish. But I don't worship Obama. And I don't worship Bill Gates, who single-handedly eradicated a couple diseases, actually, worldwide or in certain nations. I don't worship Mother Teresa, who gave her entire life to the orphans in Calcutta, or anyone else for the same reason, because they are not worthy of worship. I'm not worthy of worship, and neither are you, but folks... Let's, it is time for us to elevate our standard of worship. There are people or someone in your life that you look up to, and looking up to people is fine. But when you devote your life to a person, your entire life, you have made what is imperfect, or I should say, who is imperfect into a God in your life, and anything less than perfection will ultimately fail you. When you need help, these gods, these lowercase g's, or these idols in your life, they will reject you and say, I never knew you. But you see, when the chips were down, when Jesus could have backed out, he talked to talk and he walked to walk. Jesus, and only Jesus, is worthy of worship. Can I hear an amen? My second point is this. Jesus, he actually defines what true life is. What true life is. So I think it's safe to say that we're living in an age where we like to relabel things or redefine things. You know, back in the day, if you look up the Webster's Dictionary, there was a, there was a word called selfishness. Today, it's been renamed to individualism. I'm just kidding. Not really. So we're, we're really big into redefining things to suit the mood of the day. In fact, it appears that history is being re rewritten right now to make it more politically correct. Marriage is also being redefined to make it 
a little bit less exacting. Like there's no authority, there's no origin, or there's no lifetime commitment. Morality is also being redefined. It's no longer about what is right or what is wrong. It's now simply about being true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Therefore, define your truth. Define what you believe is good. But Jesus says, no. No. You cannot redefine what true life is. You, no one can redefine what his kingdom is all about. And that's what's really going on in the heart of our passage here. So what was the charge against Jesus? It was that he claimed to be the king of the Jews, right? Now here's a little context. Now I want you guys to follow me through this. The entire time the Jewish leaders were trying to trap Jesus, the Jewish leaders, they were trying to kill Jesus and trap him. They were all doing this because they were concerned and really mad that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the appointed one or the anointed one. So for them, it was a religious issue. In other words, they want to get Jesus on the charges of blaspheming or claiming divine rights. So how did Pilate all of a sudden get this charge about Jesus wanting to be king of the Jews? Well, that's what the Jewish spin doctors did. You see, the Jewish leaders, they knew that Pilate, he did not care whether Jesus said he's God or not. If Jesus went to Pilate suddenly and said, hey, I'm God, Pilate would have said, well, step in line. I worship a whole pantheon of gods. Join the group. He wouldn't have cared. He would have said, Jesus, you're just a lunatic. But what did Pilate care about? Well, it's the one thing he cared about. It was about political power. After all, he represented Caesar, and anyone who would dare challenge his throne must be dealt with. And so the Jewish leaders, they, took, they take Jesus' claim to be God, right, the promised Messiah, and they couple that with the political view of the Messiah's rule and reign, and they redefine Jesus' divine claim to make him a political threat. So it no longer became just a religious issue. They kind of intertwined and mixed it up, spinned it, and spun it in such a way where it was about now a political threat to Rome. Now hear me out, guys. Throughout your life, you're going to hear a lot of different things about Jesus, that he's just a buddy-buddy. In fact, a few years ago, I remember back when MTV was around, there was a guy named Ashton Kutcher, and he made Jesus popular. We're like, praise God, that's great. He's evangelizing on our behalf. No, no, no. He made Jesus popular because he wanted to make Jesus his homeboy. So he started making a T-shirt with a picture of Jesus. And I think Jesus had a backwards cap, a trucker's cap or something like that. And it said, Jesus is my homeboy. And a lot of people started buying it. Jesus cool. No problem. Jesus is my homeboy. If you talk to others, they'll say, Jesus was a good guy. There's a lot of good things we can learn from him. Loving your enemies and taking care of the impoverished and the marginalized. That's good. Jesus is a good guy. Some will say Jesus was a good philosopher. Some people also say that Jesus is someone who will give them the desires of their hearts. We've heard that before. Meaning that they worship Jesus to get things, just like a child would behave well or good during a season to get presents. And that's why Jesus, he answers Pilate like the way he does. Now, upon reading this, you may think that Jesus was being evasive when Jesus answered the question with a question. But get this. If Jesus said, yes, I am the king of the Jews, then in Pilate's mind, Jesus just made himself a threat to the Roman Empire. And so it would result in Pilate executing Jesus for being a revolutionary. But if Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not the king of the Jews, then that would deny that he came as God's Messiah, which means the anointed one, which by definition means 
that the Messiah will come as a descendant of King David, which would make him actually a king. So he can't say no either. So instead, Jesus asked Pilate, do you say this based on your own accord, or did others say this to you about me? Meaning, Jesus wanted to know where Pilate was coming from. Like, what was his spin on the question? So in this response from Jesus, apparently it made Pilate a little bit upset, right? So Pilate responds in verse 35. He goes, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Now, Pilate, he has no interest in the claims of Jesus. He knows that Jesus was handed over by the priests But at the same time, Pilate also knew that the Jews, get this, would love to have a king of their own to oppose the Roman king. Which is why Pilate was kind of confused. He's saying, but the Jews now have a king. Isn't this a good thing? In other words, the fact that they're giving you to me, Jesus, what did you do to alienate them from you? And so now Jesus can answer him and make his position clear. First, Jesus talks about what his kingdom is not. He says, it is not of this world. If it were, my servants would have been fighting. You see, political kingdoms and the little kingdoms that we have in our lives are all about territory. It's all about possessing power and maintaining power to hold it and defend it. Turn to your neighbor and say this, what's your kingdom? You see, the kingdoms we have in our lives are all about expansion. We want more wealth. We want more fame. We want more power. We want more authority. We want more recognition. We want more praises. We want just more and more. If that's how we are, if that's like your lifelong goal, then that's the agenda of your kingdom. But Jesus says that his kingdom is different. There's no amassing land. There's no building up of armies. There's no territory to defend. So then Pilate responds, so are you a king? Rather, he says, so you are a king. So to this question, Jesus responds by now stating the positive or the nature of his kingdom. So before he was saying, this is not what my kingdom is. Now he's saying, this is what my kingdom is about. He says, look, I came from the Father and I was born into this world to advance the kingdom by advancing God's truth. You want to ask me what my business is all about? I'm here from God, by God, to advance his truth. So what's the kingdom of God all about? It's not about economic power or material gain. Instead, it's about the reign of truth. It's about making God known. It's about recognizing who Jesus is. Jesus is telling us right now who he is, and he defines the life and how he wants to define the life that he wants from us. He is a king, and his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Do you know that? It's a spiritual kingdom. It advances every time a heart of a person is changed by the revelation of this truth. His kingdom promotes holiness. The kingdom of this world is all about individualism. The kingdom of this world is all about get what you want, right? What's the Sprite model? Obey your thirst. What's the motto of Nike? Just do it. Do what's good for you. What's the motto of Burger King? Have it your way. But Jesus' kingdom, no, promotes Not selfish individualism, it's rather about holiness. It's about the love of justice, the love of mercy. His kingdom, it transcends every culture and every people and tribe on earth. His kingdom is advanced by the power of God's spirit. His kingdom is distinguished by this, by the grace of his love. And how do we know that grace? Where have we heard or seen that grace? Guess what? It was displayed on that cross, on the gospel death 
and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Maybe right now we're all tempted to spin this message. Maybe you're thinking right now that if you view, that you'll view Jesus the way you want to view Jesus. But you see, if you read the Bible, don't just take it from me, but if you read the Bible and even, even reading this passage, it is impossible to spin the words of Jesus to mean anything less than what he said here. He is the king, and you're either living for his kingdom, which is not of this world, or you're living for a kingdom that is from this world, coming from your heart. Folks, who is Jesus? Jesus is someone who will not keep his distance from you. He loves you. You see, right now, you have these defenses, and I can even see it right now. You have these defenses that are being put up in your minds and in your hearts, and your arms are perhaps crossed, and you're thinking, I don't like this message. Not one bit. Because that means then I have to relinquish, and i got to surrender, and i got to give up something that I truly hold dear to my heart. And these defenses were put up for the purposes of self-preservation, of maintaining your level of comfort or protecting your pride or ego from getting hurt because maybe, maybe you went to a church a long time ago. Maybe you grew up in a Christian household. Maybe you were hurt by some person who claimed to be a Christian but only spewed ridicule and insults your way. And so you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with that. But Jesus, he will not keep his distance. And how do I know that? Because you're here. And maybe you're experiencing that right now. You feel the tug. You feel like your mind, your heart, your soul is being invaded. Good. Let the Holy Spirit invade you. That's the Spirit of God destroying and wrecking you right now. And it's a good thing. And that's what he did with Pilate. You see, Pilate was supposed to be the one in control here. After all, he's the governor and Jesus was the one on trial. Pilate was the one asking the questions and Jesus was supposed to be the one answering those questions, but Jesus, he didn't play by Pilate's rules. You see, Jesus, he doesn't just answer Pilate's questions. Instead, he digs to see what Pilate actually meant. Jesus doesn't just discuss the nature of his kingdom. Instead, he challenges Pilate with the reality that everyone on the side of truth listens to him. In other words, Jesus was telling Pilate, hey, you should listen to me. I am truth. You want to get to the bottom of who I am? Listen. And this made Pilate squirm. Made him uncomfortable. You see, Jesus, he cuts to the chase by cutting this encounter short with the memorable quote. He says, what is truth? Folks, right now the proposition is set before us all. We can all go on living like we've always lived, not a change continue to live for the little kingdoms that we've built up in our own little worlds, or you can surrender to Jesus' question of what is truth. We can make it about what is true, that Jesus is king, that Jesus died and rose from the grave, that only Jesus, not you, not me, not anyone we know, that only Jesus is perfect, that only Jesus is good enough, that only Jesus could have died to death, that we should have died, that Jesus wants us to repent of our sins, that through Jesus there's eternal life and hope and satisfaction, contentment and peace. Or we can make it about the truth we hope is true, that life is about me, that life's purpose is about my desires, that hopefully I'll be good enough to earn some sort of eternal reward. 
This afternoon, the Spirit of God calls us to do what Pilate was never willing to do. To take off your mask and open your heart to Christ. Hide nothing from him, folks. There's no reason to. He already fully knows you. He's not going to say, what? I can't believe you did that. He's like, I know. I'm glad you're willing to come to me now. Lay down your defenses. No longer be detached, but be fully engaged. So folks, how will you respond today? My hope and prayer for you all, and I'm so glad again you're here to hear this message, is that you will surrender to not a truth, but the truth. Surrender to the truth of who Jesus is, that he is not just a good guy, but that he is in fact our king, our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've allowed me to, um, well, I appreciate, Lord, that you allowed me to deliver this difficult message. God, we ask that uh, all those who have come here and hear and, and listen, I, I know that they're being challenged right now. Um, it was thought-provoking, it was provocative, clearly propositional, and, and we're not really sure what to do with that. But I pray that that weight would weigh heavily upon our minds and our hearts because it is of eternal importance. What we do with what we've heard today will just echo on. So Lord, I just pray for every person here that what they're struggling with right now, that they would surrender it before you. I can't change them. No one here can persuade them. We all know that. It's not about human effort. It's not about human persuasiveness, but it's simply by the work of God. So, Lord, if you want to bring the change, and Father, we simply ask that you would bring the change. Do your thing, God. And folks, I want to give you guys, um, if you're new to prayer, it's like talking to a friend. Maybe you've never spoken to God before. That's okay. Just talk to him. Say, God, or God, I'm Jesus, are you there? If you are, this is what's going on in my life. These are the hurdles and obstacles I have right now that are just kind of keeping me down and I do rely on a lot of my accomplishments and acclaim and all these things hoping that somehow I just receive greater recognition but I feel that it's just limited and I feel that it's not enough I even feel that perhaps my marriage is not as great as I thought and hoped it would be I feel dissatisfied I feel unwanted at times Lift us up to God. Jesus will not distance himself from you. He wants to hear from you. He already knows your story. So take a moment, just pray, and we're going to go into our last song.